Hi there, it's Mark from Third Draft Sports. You're listening to Pickleball Problems. Welcome to the show. Pickleball Problems is the podcast where I, Mark Renison, am your guide to answering all sorts of questions and problems and complications that you might have that occur in your life of pickleball. Now, typically what we do is you phone in to one pickleb you've left a message, and I respond. And we're going to do that in the upcoming episodes. But this week, this week is different. This week, I'm giving you my list of things that I wish people knew. So as you may know, I travel quite a lot teaching pickleball all over North America, and it's great. It's a delight. It's wonderful. One of the things that happens, though, is I get a cold once in a while, like I have now, which is why my voice sounds special this week. But one of the other things that happens is that people ask me questions, and believe it or not, whether I'm in Iowa or Kansas or Hawaii or Massachusetts or Saskatoon or Halifax or Vancouver, pretty often the same questions come up again and again, and again. And so this week I'm going to try to cut those off at the pass and I'm going to share with you my list of some of the things that I wish that pickleball players in general knew about. Okay, let's get started. So first off, I wish that people, the pickleball players I'm talking about, knew that pickleball is a sport and that like most sports, you can play them without a whole lot of physical effort and exertion, but you will be a low-level player. That's just how it works. You can go out and you can play soccer with your friends and kick the ball around and have a really nice time, and that's great. But you're not going to be a high-level soccer player unless you're putting in some physical effort. So what does this look like on the pickleball court? Well, it means even when you're warming up, even when you're dinking, even when you're hitting the ball slowly, if you're standing upright, if you're standing, you know, your normal height and your feet are kind of narrow together, if you, I don't know, look like you're standing in line at the bank, it is very likely that you're not in a position where you can chase down a ball quickly or that you can adjust to a ball that all of a sudden is flying fast at your chest. When you watch strong players play pickleball, they look athletic. They're light, they're bouncy, they're moving, they're ready, they're ready to go, they're ready to chase the ball. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying everyone has to play this way. You don't have to go out and run around the court and chase for balls and reach and lunge and jump and sweat. You don't have to do that. You may be someone who is perfectly happy going out, socializing, getting a little bit of exercise and some fresh air, and that's fine. But it's also important to recognize that unless you're prepared to put in sort of physical effort, whatever your level of physical ability is, to put in a pretty high level of effort, there's going to be a pretty low ceiling for how strong a player you can be. That's something I think people should know. This episode is supported by 20 drills and 10 games to play better pickleball. If you're tired of playing at the same level and are serious about improving your skills, this ebook is right up your alley. Full of fun and focused activities you can do with a partner or ball machine, 20 drills and 10 games to play better pickleball is easy to use and best of all, fun to use. Get it today at thirdshotsports.com and use the promo code PROBLEMS to save 33%. Everybody can hit 5.0 shots. The question is, can you do it consistently and under pressure? One of the most common questions I get from people is, what do I need to do to advance? If I'm a 3.5 player right now, what do I need to do to be a 4.0 player? If I'm a 4.0, what do I have to do to become a 4.5? And... It's tough. I I know what they're looking for. They're often looking for the silver bullet. Just go out and do this thing and you'll be fine. But the truth is, is that most people out there 
have hit some brilliant shots, have hit some great winners, have hit a return of serve that lands um, back near the baseline, that have hit a serve that you know lands near the sideline and kicks out wide. People have hit beautiful drops and dinks and overhead smashes, and that's terrific. That's amazing. You can do things like a 5.0 player can, but in order to become a 5.0 player, you need to be able to do that again and again and again and again and again. It can't just be a fluke. It can't just be a one-off or a two-off or a three-off. And you've got to be able to do that under pressure when there's a consequence for missing. And whether that consequence is that you lose a point or a match, maybe there's money on the line or something. What separates the higher level players isn't that they can hit these really good shots, but it's that they can do it consistently and under pressure. And that's what requires practice and time and effort and mental fortitude and all that good stuff. So you can take something good away from this. You too can hit 5.0 level shots, but if you want to advance towards that level, you got to put in the time, effort, and do it while under pressure. When playing a third shot, a drop towards the kitchen is a perfectly good option, but there's other good options too, like a drive or a lob. When you're hitting your third shot, you should ask yourself a question. Am I in a position to hit this ball hard and low? And the second question you should ask is what's going to happen if I hit it hard and low? Am I likely to overpower my opponents at the net, forcing them to hit a high weak ball that we can pounce on, or maybe even missing outright altogether? If the answer is yes, then a third shot drive might be a really great option for you. You could hit it low and hard and look for something weak to come back over that you can pounce on. When it comes to lobbing, there's a little more risk because when you hit your third shot, your opponents are likely working their way towards the net but might not be there just yet. And also, when you lob, you're giving your opponents a chance to hit a high ball downward, and that can be risky too. But I do think, as well as a third shot drop, a third shot drive should be on the table. At the most recent USAPA Nationals in Casa Grande, Arizona, when I watched the 5-0 women and I got some help from some very kind people doing statistics with me. We watched nearly 400 attempted third shots. And what did they do? About 45% of the time, they played drives. That's right. Nearly half the time, these 5-0, these pro women playing women's doubles, hit third shot drives. They hit hard and low, hoping to cause a weak ball. So don't let anyone tell you that you can only play a third shot drop. It's an option but there's other ones too. It is super annoying when people show up late for their group pickleball clinics. I know that sometimes it's unavoidable, the snow is terrible, the highway is blocked, whatever. But when you show up late to a clinic, when it's already started, a few things happen. One, you don't know what's going on. So that means that either the instructor or the other participants who have paid good money to be there as well now have to spend more of their time explaining to you explaining specially to you what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. And that's valuable time. And people don't like spending their valuable time helping you know something that you should have known already. Second thing that happens is that you're not warmed up. So if you show up late and other people have already been warmed up and they've been playing and they're practicing and they're loose and they're feeling great and they've got their jitters out, well, all of a sudden you show up a little bit late and you're not really playing at that level yet. So you are more likely to make mistakes and errors and not do the drill properly or cooperatively the way it's supposed to be. So it actually sort of brings down the quality of the experience for everybody if you come in there cold and can't perform at a level that everyone else would be expecting. 
It's also annoying when people show up late for a pickleball clinic because the instructor has organized groups or pairs or trios based on the people who were there at the start. And as a drill is going or an exercise or activity is going and all of a sudden another person comes, that changes the numbers around and changes the formations that the instructor has to do. So then more adjustments have to be made kind of on the fly, which means that that instructor is now figuring out where to fit you in to the program rather than being able to attend to the other people in the clinics. So I get it. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Some emergency comes up and you get delayed and there's nothing you can do. My suggestion to you is to... Uh, do your best to let the instructor know as soon as you can. Send an email or a text or a phone call. Even if they don't get it, you know, because the instructors I work with don't have their phones on court and they're certainly not checking emails and texts while they should be coaching. But even if they don't get it at the time, at least when the lesson's done afterwards, they can go back and say, oh, person X tried to let me know. I appreciate that. You'll be less likely to be in their bad graces if you give them a heads up. Just because you didn't get to a ball doesn't mean it was a good shot by your opponents. Sometimes when you're playing, your opponents hit great shots. They hit an amazing through-the-legs, backhanded winner down the line with their eyes closed. Great. Give them a high five, say nice shot. Sometimes they put a ball away that you think that they couldn't even got their paddle on. And not only did they get it back, but they hit a great winner. Terrific. They deserve your accolades. But... If they do something, if they do something that was pretty mediocre and you just happen to screw it up, that is not a good shot by them. So if they serve and it's a nice, slow, easy serve right down the middle of the court to your forehand and you put it in the bottom of the net, that is not a good shot by them. Now, why do I say this? Well, I say this because I care about you. I want you to play better. Take that high, slow, soft ball that's served right down the middle of the court to your forehand that you blow it and hit into the net. If you choose to say, hey, Jimmy, great serve, well, you're kind of letting yourself off the hook. You're explaining away your error, not as being a failure on your part, something that you did poorly, but something that they did really well. You are not really being accountable for your error. And why does that matter? Well, if you are someone who cares about getting better, and I'm supposing that if you take my clinics or you listen to this podcast or you subscribe to our newsletter or you got our drill guides or whatever, that you care about getting better. And if you want to get better, you got to be kind of mad when you make an error. So when your opponents hit a great shot and deserve accolades, great. Give them. Tell them how great they are. Tell them how terrific, what a terrific, beautiful, amazing shot that was. Fine. But when you blow it, when you make a mistake, don't praise your opponents for doing something well if they hadn't. Own up to it silently. You don't have to announce to everyone that you blew it, but be accountable for your errors and you're on a much better path towards becoming a good player. You can go into the kitchen whenever you like. So apparently there's still some confusion out in the pickleball world about when you can enter the kitchen, or its proper name, the non-volley zone. It's actually quite important to remember that it's called the non-volley zone because that tells us about what you, what you can and cannot do there. It's called the non-volley zone. That means that you cannot volley in that zone. But it's not called the do not enter me until the ball bounces zone. A lot of people out there think that you have to wait outside of the kitchen before you go forward. This is not true. You can go forward whenever you want. And this is important to know. 
Let's imagine your opponents hit a very, very short shot, and it's kind of high, but you see that it's going to land so short in the kitchen that you're going to eventually have to move forward to get it. Well, if you think that you can't move forward until the ball has bounced, you'll be sitting behind the kitchen line, waiting, 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 and when it finally bounces, you're going to have to rush forward to hit it. And it's never a good idea to be rushing to hit an offensive shot. However, if you understand that you can go forward at any time you want, when you see that ball way up in the air, you can take a step into the kitchen, establish your position, be happy, be ready, have a drink if you want, and then once that ball bounces, then you can pounce on it and put it away without having to rush. So it is not the do not enter me until the ball has bounced zone. It's the non-volley zone. Don't volley in there, but go in there if you think it makes sense. And we will leave it there. Thanks a lot to everyone for listening with me along this week. I'll be back next week with more of your listener questions. And if you have a pickleball problem of your own, I'd love to hear about it. Give me a call. Leave a message. 1-833-PICKLEB. That is 1-833-742-5532. Thanks. See you next time.